Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, if you're listening to a podcast. My name is Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by to this big, happy family, big, happy gaming family. Uh, I Travis Hill initially put out the call. It's like, okay, let's hop on a podcast. I got a little bit of a break. And so you know what? We have turned this into a family conversation. Uh, and we're going to go wherever. <laughs> Uh, you know, we are, you know, many of us know each other, um, you know, we've been t- interacting for a long time, so we're just going to see where it goes. Uh, so I will introduce Travis first, Travis Hill, formerly of Low Player Count, and currently of many published works, many Whatever. zines, uh, <laughs> successful Kickstarters. Uh, he is on his, on his break from uh, academic advising in the in academic setting, uh, and so he is here on the podcast. Welcome uh, to the show, Travis Hill. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. It's good, good break between work and work to be able to sit here and hang out with all of you people. Work. <laughs> Speaking of break, this man uh, is not on vacation, far from it, but he is taking a break to join us. Uh, has a frequent guest of Every Night is Game Night for a contributor, so I want to thank you very much for that. Uh, this is the man who runs Gaming Rules, which is one of the, what I like to say, OG content creators. Uh, if you want a rule book, if you want a tutorial, uh, if you want things explained, this nobody, nobody in content creation does it better than this man. He is Paul Grogan. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you very much for the introduction. Are you going to explain to me what OG stands for, though? Is it good or bad? <laughs> Original gangster. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Use a gangster. It's a positive thing. It's good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking a. I'm take, basically taking a lunch break between filming. Uh, I'm. I'm creating a tutorial video at the moment for import export uh, from Jordan Draper. So yeah, it's almost done. I'm trying to get it finished this weekend. Uh, and yeah, this is this is a good break from that. All right. Uh, and we also have uh, Elizabeth Davidson from Beyond Salter, as long as I'm introducing people with their full names. Uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> uh, and also the uh, creator of a new BookTube series. Uh, so, uh, Liz, welcome to the show. It's always good to be here. Uh, and we have a lot of people who are doing a lot of creative things. So that's kind of the, the overall thing that I wanted to talk about was being creative, uh, coming up with different things, being creative in this time. Uh, you know, look at this. We're on Zoom. We look, look, look like a, a Brady Bunch <laughs> type thing going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so just kind of like being creative in this environment. But, but... Uh, before we get to that, I, I, we are a gaming channel and we do love gaming content. And one, um, I, I wanted to ask about old games. There was a conversation I saw on um, Twitter between uh, Travis and I think it was Thieker Themer. Thieker Themer had just covered Rose and Boats. And it's a game that I've heard about the entire time being a solo gamer. I've been, I've been doing this like seven, eight years now, but it's been there the entire time. I've never played it. <laughs> I always hear people talk about it. So I wanted to ask uh, my three esteemed guests for a one older game. And I wanted to draft Travis into, dra- into talking about that particular game. We can go from there. So Roads and Boats. Sure. Roads and Boats. Uh, So first of all, if you'll pardon me, I will tilt my camera up. Wait. Oh, Ah! this is at the top because that's the only place that it fits. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That game, it it looks the same size like an ogre. Or like yeah, some... it's it's a 
it's a pretty it's a pretty large box. Oh um, my god, <clears throat> really? Yeah. So Roads and Boats came out in 1999 from Splatter Spelling. Um, and it was, I mean, it's, it's a logistics game through and through, you know, um, it was one of those that I had heard about it on the interwebs forever. And it was, um, and I just heard enough people talk about it, including the one and only Paul Grogan. Um, and he did, just, did you know, Paul Grogan do the whole treatment. Did he do the tutorial? Did he do oh, the playthrough? No. No. <laughs> I don't think I've done a single, I've done a review of it, but I've not done any playthrough videos or anything for it. So, so I did what you would do before. I mean, I, I probably got it, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. Um, I've had it for, for a while now, but I got it. Um, I, I got it with, uh, I just started like look around online, watch there were like two or three short five minute YouTube videos of like what it was like. And so I just kind of sat down and watched those and went, Hmm, I think, I think I'm actually really going to enjoy this. And um, obviously solo gaming is up there, but also just like, I like logistical, I like logistics. Um, and what do you, you mean by logistics? Like, you know, shipping. Type yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, so roads and boats is a, is a game about transportation and building. That's, that's it. Right. So you mm-hmm. start off with, uh, you start off with uh, some donkeys and geese is what it is you start <laughs> for donkeys and geese on, at your at <laughs> your home amazing. tile are yeah you it is you start for donkeys and geese at your, the geese? <laughs> at, at your home tile and then you um and then every turn you can <clears throat> so they're called transporters right donkeys because they carry stuff from one place to the other and so each tile it's made of all these hexes that is that it's modular right so you can you figure out however you want to or they have suggested scenarios always highly suggest the recommended scenario yes. setups because then otherwise it's it's just going to be garbage um and so you um and so on your turn you know, you move all of your transporters from one hex to another hex, whichever hex you want to go to. They can only move a certain number of spaces, um, depending on the type of transporter that they are. They can only carry a certain amount of resources, and they go from point A to point B. And if those res- if the appropriate resources are in the uh, appropriate hex, then the next turn it creates something. You know, it builds. It makes um it makes a sawmill, <clears throat> excuse me, or it makes um <clears throat> excuse me, or it makes a, a a bank, or it makes a whatever, right? Because really, in the grand scheme of of roads and boats, it is a game about logistics and transportation. But in a very light theme, it actually is a little bit of a civilization game in mm-hmm. the sense of you're starting from the <clears throat> bare bones of nothing through industry, and at the end of it, you have. Uh, you have trucks and you have airplanes if you go into any of the expansion, if you go into the expansion and whatnot. And so it's a really interesting, very tedious bit where you're moving these itty bitty donkeys around <laughs> with these itty bitty chits. Um, like to give you an idea, in mine, I have those, um, I have two GNT counter trees that are divided up between all of the bits um, so that you can just kind of set them on one side of the table. What I also really love about Roads and Boats is that it can be as interactive or as solitaire as you want it to to be right so whenever i first teach the game to people if it's a two or a three player game from the get-go i just kind of tell them hey the how 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 mean do you want to be whenever you play this game because you can kind of just 
hold out in your own little area of the Roads of Boats world. And then at the end, you might kind of grab into other people's spaces, or you can just from the get go say, hey, no, we're going to punch each other. Because the interesting thing about Roads of Boats is that any resource that is not on top of one of those transporters, a raft, a donkey, um, a plane, a truck, if it's not on, literally resting on one of those, then it's fair game. So anybody can swoop in, grab it, and then go. Um, And so sometimes since you can only carry so much, it takes time to build up stuff on a hex, these resources. And you're like, Oh, next round, I'm going to be able to whatever. But then in comes Paul with his truck and he grabs the gold out and he runs back to his spot and he's able to make paper, which then ends up making him win the game because how the game progress works. So it's a really interesting, um, it's just, it's a wild, it's a wild game. It's a wild experience. Um, I taught it at BGG con every year for about four years straight that, that I would just throw it out there. I will teach one or two people uh, roads and boats because it's just such a wild type of a game, but it's also soothing in the sense, like whenever you play it solo, you're just kind of like, well, I'm going to set this up. I'm going to put on some music. I'm cup of coffee, glass of wine, depending on the time of day. And then just like, I'm just going to tinker with this and figure out this logistics puzzle and just see how it works. So yeah. Roads and Boats. You had some interesting stories about it, Paul? Yeah, so uh, Roads and Boats is a game which I, you know, I've known about since 1999 when it came out. And, and let's be honest. OG. Paul, yeah, that yeah. means OG. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let, let's be honest. Spotter games are quite expensive because there's a, usually a, a small print run. The artwork and graphic design is fairly simplistic. The component quality is, is not the best. And the rule books aren't great. But there was something about this game that made me think, okay, this is going to be terrible graphic design. The rule book's not going to be clear. It's going to be overpriced, uh, but I'm going to get this game. Because the things that I'd read about it were exactly the kind of things that I like. I like sending two pieces of wood into the forest and building a sawmill, right? And I like, I like that. I'm the kind of person that likes sitting down and playing one of these city-building computer games where literally you just build stuff. There's no other players. You just happily there. You build this and you build that. Okay. So I decided as my previous career was coming to an end that I would buy it for myself as a retirement present. Okay. Wow. So, this, so this is going back wow. six and a half years ago now. So Roads and Boats was my retirement present to myself. But the first time I played it, I was actually still working at the university because I remember, and I'll never forget this, is one of my one of my highlighting highlights of gaming memories is when me and two other friends uh, and we sat down and we tried to learn loads roads and boats and this was at the games club at the university that I ran so this is one evening so that's why I know I was still there um, and we sat there and we, we read the rules and we read this and we read that and then okay and then we started off playing exactly like Travis says and it's it's fairly solitaire at the start of the game because of the distance between the players so you start off and you're like Okay, so I'm going to move this here and I'm going to build that sawmill and I'm going to move this here and build that sawmill. And as Travis says, unless it is a resource on a transporter, it's not yours. So I send two wood on my donkey into the forest. That builds a sawmill. That sawmill is not mine, right? There is a sawmill in a forest that every round will produce one wood. It's not my sawmill and it's not my wood. The fact you that it's me and me, sawmill, it's not your sawmill. It's, it's not, not mine, sawmill. right? Nope. I, I mean, <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it was my wood because it was on my transporter. It was on my donkey. But once the sawmill has been built, there is now a sawmill in the forest generating wood. It's near me, so you might think it's mine, but it's not mine, okay? So we start playing the game. 
And we're probably about an hour and a half in, maybe two hours. And here's the thing with geese, right? Now, geese, you start the game with two geese. Conversation. Oh, is it brilliant? Here's the geese thing are not geese. transported. You can't load goods onto geese. What geese do yeah. is geese, uh, like, they will reproduce. If there is two of them in Alone. a pasture on their own with no, nothing else there, not even a building because they get shy, if there's two geese on their own in a pasture, they'll breed and you get a third one. Once there's three, that's it. They won't breed anymore. So what you do is you go in and you take one of the geese out and leave two of them there and then they'll breed more. Now you need geese later on in the game because you use the, the, the quill. You, you make quills, I believe, from the yeah. feathers, which you use to yeah. then create paper and this, that and the other. To, but, and, and, to pin, and to pin technologies. That's it, yes. Yeah. But one of the things with geese is... Although you can pick them up and store them on a transporter and take them places, geese will follow anybody else's transporter. So what you can do is you can walk into a hex and rather than having to pick them up and load them onto your transporter, what you do is you walk into a hex that has geese and walk out of the hex and you can choose whether they will follow you or not. Right, that's the rules. We read the rules, we understood the rules. Now we know how to move geese around from one place to another. So two hours into the game, a friend of mine is sending this donkey over these hills into my territory, okay, which isn't my territory at all, but it just happens to be a hex on the board where I have two geese. And he walks in there and then walks out again. And he says, and those geese are going to follow me. And I went, oh, wait a minute. Ah, and the penny dropped. And an hour later, all hell broke loose because suddenly we are playing possibly one of the most interactive games in my collection, not counting the games with direct conflict, okay? So another hour later, these two are squabbling over some something or other in the middle of the board. I build a raft, I sail the raft up the river into Marcus's hometown, where he's got this big pile of stone, load the stone onto my raft and sail off. And he's like, where's my stone gone? And I'm like, I nicked it. And it's just... You know, ultimately, as Travis says, there's a Civ game and there's a tech element to the game because it all starts off with, you know, sawmills and quarries generating clay. Ultimately, you will be building gold mines. You'll be smelting that gold into coins and you'll be then using the coins to make certificates. And again, you build a gold mine in, in the mountains which starts to generate gold. That's not your gold. So you, you, you leave it there. And then at some point, somebody will turn up and load the gold onto their transporter. Turn order is absolutely critical in the game. Uh, there is a very clever mechanism for, for changing the turn order, but yeah. you get this. You, when, once the interaction starts, you get two people turning up at a mine, suddenly a gold pops out the top, and then there's effectively this squabble over turn order for who gets the gold. Um, and it's just... Roads and Boats is a great game. There is no game that I have that is right. like Roads and Boats. And I say great game... To be honest, it's probably not in my top 20 games. It's a great game because of what it is and what it does and the fact that it, it does it differently. Now, interestingly enough, I've not played it solo yet. I've only actually played it multiplayer. I am keen to play it solo because I think I'd have the same experience of Travis in that you can just sit back and you go, what shall I do this turn? Oh, I'll just, mm -hmm. I'll just move these bits around here and I'll just move these bits around here and just kind of enjoy the, the journey of playing it. But yeah, it, it's a it's a fascinating game. I've never heard of any game like this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and it's and it's interesting because it's also one of those games that because um, so many of the phases are simultaneous, 
that kind of literally what happens in a multiplayer game is, okay, you ready? Okay, great. Yeah. Are you done? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm done. How about you? Okay, great. Let's go to the next part. Like, that's just what you do, you know, but it's, but if, and and if you don't like that, then then this is not the game for you. Yeah. (laughs) And, And the fiddliness is not to be understated. When you have a hex with like, two donkeys, a pile of... You are talking tiny little components. Yeah. And this would work better as a computer game because you have to go, oh, Mm. did I move Mm. that one? Right, so I I think I moved that one and I think I I picked up this on the way. And you've got to kind of... I mean, what I do is I I angle my pieces so that I know which ones I've moved and which ones I haven't. Mm. But sometimes I'd like to go, oh, wait a minute, I've changed my mind. I'd like to put that one back. Oh, where did that come from? Oh, I can't remember. You know, (laughs) it's... The fiddliness in the game. I mean, it's got like over a thousand components, but all of those are like tiny little chits. It's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Any interest, Liz? Yeah, I'd play that. I've actually wanted to get it, but you know, they have like a re-release of it. It was $99 at the time. I was like, I don't have $99. It cost me more than that. If you don't got it, you don't got it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I got funny, funny story about my purchase of it. I received, um, Years ago, I received some Amazon gift card um, from somebody and it was like for 50 bucks. And I went, well, you know, it was at the time that I was still like buying board games on Amazon. Um, and I looked around and I was like, I just, I just wonder. And no joke, Roads and Boats was on there. Right. Like the third edition or the, it, the, the edition before the 20th anniversary edition, whatever mm-hmm. that was, fourth edition maybe, I don't know. Um, but it was on there for $100. And so I got Roads and Boats for 50 bucks brand new. Nice. Dip to my house. <laughs> and that's Very my nice. claim to fame right there. Very nice. So what counts as an old game? Since we're talking about older games. Like, okay, first of all, I just realized that my blog is going to be five years old in January, and I don't know how to feel about that. But also... <laughs> <laughs> it goes fast. But what is, what is old? Because, like, if I could start playing an old game again, so I'm normally still a gamer, but I want somebody to reteach me backgammon because I used to know how to play it, mm-hmm. and I thought it was fun, and now I don't even remember how to play because even the... The most basic rules of something you played a hundred times can elude you if you wait long enough. I think old is, is a sensibility. Old. Like it, you can, there are certain games you play and it kind of feels like there's a feel to it because like the gaming, gamings have kind of like developed, right? So like I just finished uh, this game. It's a wonderful world. So I, I reviewed it. It's a neat, neat little like you know card drafting. I really like it. Um, and the the expansion has a campaign mode, and I'm thinking to myself. You know, five years ago, if Pandemic had come out, like this, it would be a pe- campaign game now. Yeah. But, you know, back then, there was, we didn't have that concept. So it's like, we're just going to throw modules in a box. Now yeah. we have the campaign concept. And so a lot of games are coming out like, okay, we have a couple modules, just string them together to campaign. So, like, I'm going back, and now Pandemic's an old game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's old. Ancient. You know, like me. I listen to. I listen to Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses on the oldies station. Nirvana, yeah. oldies. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I've started to hear the music of my time on classic rock stations, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of putting a, putting a figure on it, maybe anything that's older than 10 years old is... Oh, I mean, yeah. you've got old, like backgammon chess. Yeah. Then you've got sure. old, like Monopoly and Clue. Mm-hmm. I said Clue for the US audience because we call it Cluedo. Not Cluedo. Thing. And then you've got... No, we you've can got go old... Cluedo. Th- Cluedo has a, a lot more of a, a stately ring to it. Cluedo. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> you've got old in terms of modern board games. And I, w- I would say anything yeah. that is more than 10 years old is probably old. old. So old. Puerto Rico is an old... I, I wouldn't call it an old game. I'd call it an older game. 
which I know a game is a of a certain age. Slightly, slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> Semantics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go to you, Liz. Is there a ten plus year? We'll go that. I know I'm surprising you with this one, but is there a game that came out ten plus years ago? That would be 2010. Jeez, oh, I don't know. So the reason I can't answer this that well is mainly because I don't ever know what year anything came out because I oh. just don't <laughs> pay attention. Like I have okay. to put a list together of games that I like from 2020. And I'm like, mm. um, <laughs> but what about something like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? That originally came out like the 80s. You've reworked it. It's so good. It's still really like I know that things like you know Detective City of Angels maybe have a better gaming system. But like it's Christmas break, uh, you know. I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of been thinking about like maybe I'm gonna pull my Sherlock Holmes back down. I never finished the original box because I was so sad that I was gonna run out of cases. Yeah. So maybe it's time to accept that things come to an end, and maybe like make some <laughs> make some hot chocolate, you know, some cookies, and like sit there and solve some Sherlock Holmes puzzles by the tree. I mean, I think that that sounds like a good idea. And, How far did you get with the original box? Um, I'm about halfway. All right. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's like there's 10 cases in there. I've done, like, five cases. I need yeah. like five more. And, I mean, I have the other boxes, so now I can, like, comfort myself by getting more. But, yes. <laughs> but um, you know, I felt, you know, it's it's an older game, but I, I feel like the system has so much charm. Obviously, it's been redone with things like Mythos Tales. Um, and then, you know, you have other games that I think are inspired by it in some mm-hmm. way. So you have, like, Detective City of Angels that has the board. Um, you know, I... Uh, but I, you know, there's something nice about pulling out a map, pulling out a fake newspaper, interviewing some people. I never play that game right because I want to read all the flavor text because I just really enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, you know, that's that's an older game that I think still deserves some love. Yeah. And Paul, I mean, you you were responsible for. I, I was I was going to say, did did you pick Sherlock Holmes Constantly Detective, knowing my? No, I just remembered it actually. <laughs> so I, I I've done an entire podcast interview about that game and my, my history with that game. So I, I, we're not going to take over the show by talking about my history with the game, but let me just say that I bought the original edition of that game in 1983 on holiday with my parents, and I have been playing it ever since. And every gaming group that I have ever been a, a member of in the last 37 years, I had to do some quick math there. Uh, I, I have really been good on the fly, by the way. Do you yeah. want to hear something terrible? There was terrible? no way... <laughs> So speaking of age, Paul, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is older than I am because I was born in 1986. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I've loved that game. I've played it, as I say, I've played it most most of my life. I've played it with every gaming group that I've ever been a member of. uh, And I think it's fantastic. And then when Space Cowboys, because Istari got the rights to doing it, and Istari did it about 10 or so years ago and, and messed it up big time. They did like five printings of it. The first printing was almost useless because it contained so many errors and problems yeah. uh, and they they fixed it gradually over a period of time and anyway then space cowboys who had sort of merged stroke bought Istari, they decided because Sherlock Holmes is really big in france mm-hmm. they decided we're going to do it again and i'd i uh, space cowboys were a client of mine they'd used me for a couple of projects and they reached out to me and they said, Paul, I don't know if you know about this game, but we're going to be doing a new version. Would you be like to do the editing for it? And I'm like, would I like to do the editing of one of my favorite games of all time? Yes, please. So it's really nice that they brought it back. There's now four boxes. Uh, we, are, uh, we are about 70% of the way through box four. Uh, and I have to say, Liz, after you finish the first box, 
if you want to know which one is the best box, box four, the green one. Ooh, all right. Challenge accepted. Let's go. It it, it is just (laughs) it. I'm not saying skip the red and the blue box. But if you want, if you want good, the green box is by far, by far the best. Um, the author of all of the cases in box four is Dave Neal. Dave Neal is a massive Sherlock Holmes fan. He's written loads of uh, stuff. Uh, and there's lots of Sherlock Holmes games out there that Dave Neal has been involved in. So, yeah, it's, it, it's really, really good. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've been involved in that game professionally and, yeah, personally almost my whole life. I've still got my... Uh, original 1983 copy of it somewhere in the house <laughs> it's a bit battered that's awesome but, i just love i love mysteries i like a little period flavor you yeah. know like you get like that victorian as if i don't know what area it's actually but that taste is that just that sherlock holmes vibe is so yeah. nice yeah are you a sherlock holmes guy travis um yeah i mean to a degree i like it i like it enough Right, I'm always I'm always intrigued whenever something new that Sherlock Holmes comes out. Um, I played Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. I think <clears throat> I think Lindy and I made it um, seven tenths of the way through the first box, mm-hmm. and it's wow. you know okay. it's sitting on a sitting behind me somewhere, uh, ready <laughs> to get picked up eventually. Yeah. Again, um, we had and, and we had a lot of fun with it because uh, Liz, like you. Um, um, I, I kind of wanted to get through it. Um, my wife wanted to explore every single nook and cranny of, of London. And it was like, Oh, we haven't got like, we don't, we don't care about scoring. Right. Yeah. Cause they're scoring at the end of it. We're just like, no, 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 no. Um, but, but we had, there were, there were a couple of times that like we went on, um, either vacation or an anniversary or a weekend getaway or whatever. And we would bring the map and the, and the books and we would just like, sprawl out at like a bar and just sit there for a couple hours and play and it's just it's it's way fun we 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 eventually turned into especially if we were at home um we get plexiglass and put on top of it get dry erase markers and you know make make notes there and so stuff like that's just like way fun um it's just the length for me because we are so um because we go through everything we whenever we go through it it's a very comprehensive experience um and i'm not shy of long games but it's the fact that that we're liter- you know, we're reading, you know, 20, 30 pages out loud yeah. of, of script italicized text on dark brown backgrounds that hurts my eyes and my, my throat after uh, some time. But um, no, yeah, I, I really, I really do. As a teacher is impressive. <laughs> Actually, my yes. dream, speaking of as a teacher, is I would love to make like a knockoff version of this in Latin set in like Pompeii or something <laughs> for my students. One of these days it's going to happen. Do it. You can. <laughs> so I think the, um, the theme that emerged like accidentally is not only old games, but games that inspire you to like have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. So... <laughs> So, uh, Paul, we'll round, this, we'll round this out. Can you think of a game that, uh, from your that makes you, that, that gives you that sense of comfort, that gives you that sense of, you know, like I, I need to have this with a glass of port or uh, some kind of warm beverage? We've, we've, we've touched on the two that I could, <laughs> I would oh, wait, probably have mentioned at this point. Those are the two? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, me sitting down and sort of, you know, relaxing over playing a game is not really something that I do. Mm. Um, you know, with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, it, it's a completely different experience. And we're, we're playing through it right now every few weeks with friends of ours. Uh, and we're just playing it, you know, chatting to each other on Zoom. We've both got a copy of the game. We take it in turns to read it out. And, and that's a nice sort of, you know, 
experience at playing that together. I can't, I know some people play those games solo. Liz, do you, do you play that solo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've either played solo or like, you know, if my boyfriend's around in, 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 the, in the mood to play yeah. a game, then I, we can play together. I can't imagine playing a game like that solo, but that's mainly because I wouldn't be, I'm not clever enough. So I need <laughs> other I feel people the same way. there to, to bounce ideas off and then them come up with stuff and me go, ah, oh, yeah, and then claim all the credit for it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a game in a... Sim- I mean, you know, there's plenty of old games, 10 plus years ago, that I think are great games, uh, but I can't think of one offhand that I would like to just, you know, sit down and have a nice, you an know, evening, relaxing... An, an evening, evening type with. game, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Mage Knight, is that older than 10 years now? Was it 2012? Is it just off the cutoff? I mean, look, I just yeah. got to find that now. So, I mean, I, Although it is an yeah, old you look game. It up, Mage Knight yeah, is an I mean, old game at this point. This is the thing. We, I, I said earlier on, anything 10 years or more is old. But, 2011. Yeah, it's so I would say Mage Knight is now <laughs> an older <laughs> game. Yes. Um, but, you know, that is a game where if you're going to play that game solo, you probably want to take your time over it. You yeah. don't want to rush what it. You, you want to sit if? there and you want to think... <laughs> Right, here's my five cards, here's my card, what am I, what am I going to do? And you might just want to play a day and then get to the point and say, right, I'm just going to leave that there and I'm going to pop out and you know, hang the washing out or do some, do some gardening or something and then come back to it later on and go, right, now then, let's, let's, let's have a look at how we're going <laughs> to deal with this. I wouldn't have said it's, it's relaxing as like roads and boats would be, oh, I'll just, I'll just build this little woodcutter here, I'll just build this here. Um, <laughs> But it's certainly a game you can you can take your time over and think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's why I hold love on a it. sec. Uh, Travis did it before. Uh, hold on a sec. Uh, oh my! Oh my God! My the, the upstairs is in darkness. Up. Hold on. <laughs> wait! 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 <laughs> podcast people, anyone listening on the podcast? There you go. Uh, I am now showing off the Mage Knight Ultimate Edition. Uh, my friends out, uh, my, my personal gaming group, this is my housewarming gift. Oh, wow, there's a oh. lot of dust on this thing. Mm. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to get some, put some love on this one. Um, and uh, Mr. Paul Grogan contributed to the rules and one of the full expansions, right? Yeah, uh, the last two expansions, although Krang is, was just a character expansion, but yeah. Sure. In fact, I'm, I'm on the Mage Knight Facebook group, and it's... Um, it's interesting on there because, you know, when I engage with people on there and everything else, it's it's really nice because some of the people on there know of my involvement in the game and they go, oh my God, Paul Grogan's just commented on my post. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a (laughs) gamer like you, right? Don't don't worry about it. And they're like, but you you helped design this game. Oh, this is amazing. And then other people on there are like, Paul Paul who? Whatever. So they'll play like the scenario I designed and I'll pop on there and make some comments. And they'll start saying, oh, do you know the scenario? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I played it again recently. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, a virtual convention that I organized. I did a, I did a series of live streams over the weekend. Uh, the plan was that Rick, a local friend of mine, had taken the day off work. He was going to come around. We were going to sit here playing games all, week, all, all day, live streaming them. And then, of course, with the, with the coronavirus situation, he wasn't able to. So he said, well, let's just do what we were going to do. But you sit at home and I'll sit at my home. Uh, and we found an amazing mod on Tabletop Simulator for Mage Knight. And we just, we just played a two-player game of Mage Knight using that. It was fantastic. Cool. So, 
All right. So those are some games from yesteryear. Uh, I know that, um, you know, we talk about the hotness. We, you know, we, I'm in the one-stop co-op shop and, you know, the games and Kickstarters always come in, but we, we should never forget that some of the greatest experiences, especially roads and boats, like I, uh, <laughs> I normally with splatter games and, and like, I, I usually kind of, you know, do that, <sighs> you know, mm-hmm. get out of here. But that one, this, the, how warmly thematic it sounds. Uh, it sounds like something I might have a lot of fun with. So I, that's why I appreciate, uh, you know, a little discouragements like that. Um, so I wanted to go to Travis next uh, because Travis has been creative. Uh, low player count uh, had its uh, adieu a little while ago, but that is not going to stop a creative person from putting stuff out into the world. So you have, um, you know, created some things along the way. So maybe you could share with the people uh, what you've been up to. Ooh, um, yeah, I... I <clears throat> I, I had this weird turn. Um, <clears throat> oh gosh. I mean, it's kind of like, where do, I don't, you know, it's where do you, where do you start with these things? Um, I never, I never thought of myself as a game designer because I was always doing it. And I was always doing uh, board game adjacent stuff. Right. I always felt, well, content creation, podcasting, things like that. That was going to be something that I was going to do that I was going to enjoy. And I was going to spend a lot of my time with, um, and then the, you know, everybody understands this, but the grind of doing it every single week and the everything that involves with everything. And at some point you just kind of go, I'm, I'm tired of copying this text and the source codes for this and inputting it and uploading it into, you know, the podcast hosting thing and then copying that over the, you know, it's just the, the grind of it. And so, um, a low player count, we were all at a place that we were all ready to stop. Two-thirds of low player count had kids um, within a year of each other, and we ended up selling our old house and moving in with my in-laws for six months. And so there was a lot of like, it's time to shut down low player count, you know? Um, and we had a good run, but around that time- and a good community. A really oh, good thanks. community. You guys are very. Thanks, that, that, there are people. I think don't, your Slack is still open, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Slack Slack channel's still open, and there's there's still a fair amount of discussion on there. I like at least we once every. You guys haven't done anything. <laughs> we've literally nothing. About once every couple of months, I just think maybe we should just shut it down. Um, but I, it's just still going, and like a lot of bots have infested it because we had it like <laughs> open for people. So there are like three thousand five hundred people in the low player count Slack channel, and only you know like 30 people who actually talk um which is just still a significant amount of people for for something that's been dead for almost two years now that's a fair that's i think that's pretty okay um but but in that i mean it was just kind of a weird a weird mix of i i i mean i'm a creative person and so for me i needed to find an outlet in some capacity um i'm always i always like to do things a little different anyways um i like at some point I thought I was going to create the next greatest Euro game and then just realize that my brain just doesn't work that way. And figuring that stuff out, is just, it's too, it's too difficult. I don't know. Right. Um, and so through that process, um, I started making zines. Um, Kickstarter ran, started a campaign called Zine Quest a couple of years back. And I thought, hey, this is a great idea. Um, I'm, I don't do heavy role-playing. I'm not a D&D person. And so for me to create... 
for me to create an uh, an RPG zine. I thought it would be really interesting because it's zine? not something that's in my wheelhouse. Maybe you um, could tell zine, me what a zine is. Oh yeah, sure, sure. So a zine is kind of like a um, a zine's like a DIY magazine is what it's short for, right? So, but it's um, but it's not very. They're typically not very well produced. Um, it's very DIY, typically handmade. Um, I grew up in the uh, punk and hardcore scene. And so we made a lot of zines, which were literal like, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper that had stuff photocopied on both sides, folded into a little itty bitty uh, eighth of a page booklet that you would pass out to people about shows that were coming up, about um, bands that are coming out. And it's just a lot of like cut and paste. And it looks like a ransom letter sometimes, but that's just what it was. Uh, but RPG zines have been around for a few decades and, and they would be like um, like A five um, like A five sized um, uh, printed out half booklets that people would make for like role playing stuff, right? Um, and so Kickstarter a couple years ago, I believe twenty nineteen, they decided, hey, we're going to make uh, a campaign in February for indie creators to make zines. And so it would be whatever you want. It could be its own RPG. It could be a supplement of something. It could be a hack of whatever else it was. And I thought, hey, this would be interesting because this kind of isn't anything that I've ever spent a ton of time on, but I'm a creative person and I like to make stuff. And so um, I created something for the 2019 zine quest called reunification. It was a three to five player mm -hmm. um, question asking letter writing game. Um, that was about a family um, who had been uh, separated by a civil war and had finally started to make that reunification process after the civil war had passed on. And that kind of like fits the niche of what I enjoy doing in terms of creativity, because I could have done something with goblins, or zombies or dragons or whatever, because that's stuff that I enjoy, but I didn't feel that it brought anything new to what was going on. And I thought, well, hey, if this is supposed to be zine, it's supposed to be indie and small and weird and whatever. Well, I'm going to make it indie and small and weird and whatever. Um, and so since then, I've made, um, I've made three other zines that have come out, one called The Weight, one called Our Innermost Thoughts, and the most recent one is The Portal at Hill House, um, and they're just, they're just fun little things, you know, some of them are thought experiments. Some of them really stretch the boundaries of what people think games can be or should be. Um, the weight was written in response to my uncle's passing. Um, he, he passed away after a two year long battle with strokes and diabetes. And, um, and because of that, you know, of the weight is about a family that is literally waiting for somebody to, uh, pass away after being pulled off of life support. Right. And so it's a really tough topic. <laughs> I mean, obviously, and I got a lot of, um, positive and not so great feedback mm -hmm. from people, um, which makes sense. People questioning what is a game, but to me, that's stuff that I really enjoy is to figure out like what are those boundaries of a game um our innermost thoughts is uh, a collection of small weird solo um rpgs and larps right so live action role playing a lot of people think of larps they think of um dudes with uh styrofoam uh swords and shields in a in a park hitting each other you know i think um, of dracula and succubus i think of people with the false teeth and the capes and like a oh, world of world of darkness type stuff Oh sure, yeah, and so and so with LARPs though, it's really it's really just Not like you're, yeah. Hey, look at that. <laughs> so it's really just um, it's it's really just getting yourself out into the world, right? And so there, and so that one has just a bunch of kind of small things on there, um, small RPGs. There are five of them. Um, four of them are solo, 
And I, that came out, uh, that came out this summer, this past summer, back in July, um, that was fueled by COVID. Um, and then through the process, one of the games in there, which is, um, letters from a book binder is a solitaire journaling game. And adjacent to that was portal at Hill house, which is a solitaire house exploration game, um, to where you are going, our portal has opened up in, in, in a house. We called it Hill house because my wife and I actually co-wrote it. Um, she did a lot of the graphic design and some of the, um, ancillary stuff. And so between that, we, um, it's just, a it's just a solo journaling game about exploring through a house and finding weird artifacts and trying to, uh, trying to put them all together um, and close up the portal. And that's, and that's really it. And, and for me, all of this stuff is fueled. So much of this stuff was fueled by being locked down. Right. Um, I, I had, somewhat been creative but whenever everything had been stripped away whenever i went from a weekly gaming group or a bi-weekly gaming group to literally nothing whatsoever um and by this point i had started to burn out from solo gaming from from spending right. you know six and seven years creating content for it um i had started to burn out from just doing solitaire gaming and so i needed even though i'm highly introverted i needed something else in there um and so being able to you know um create and just kind of throw stuff out there and fortunately the stuff has been very successful um i i i'm not kidding so the funding goals on all of my zines are 300 dollars because that's how much it takes whenever i say oh i'm going to send this out to you know 50 people um but then like the last scene like 900 people backed it and that was just pretty extraordinary for me um mm -hmm. but i don't i don't do it for I, I just do it because i find it interesting and i find it fun um on the opposite side of that I also have spent the entirety of the summer making uh, weird economic cube rails games, yeah. um, <laughs> kind of like a la, like, like winsome style games, right? Like Chicago express and um, Irish gauge and, and ride the rails and stuff like that. That's what, that's what all those clamshells are right there. Those are all those winsome train games. Um, and so that, but I spent the, so it's, I'm doing like weird RPG design or I'm doing these weird economic cube rails games. And that's it because those are things that not a lot of people Home do. Base. And I feel that mm -hmm. I can be myself in those without having to meet a standard that has been given. Like if I were, I'm going to make a light to midweight Euro game. I would feel that I would have to tick off specific boxes um, to be able to make that happen. But with this way, I just kind of do what I do and really say, so what? If somebody picks it up, cool. If nobody picks it up, cool. I'll self-publish it. That's been the nice thing about Kickstarter is I've now felt comfortable making stuff on my own and sending it out on my own. Um, so yeah, that's really it. it. But I'm not, I'm not kidding whenever I say the majority of it has been fueled by not being able to go anywhere mm -hmm. and playing this stuff forever now. It's like, well, dang it, I'm going to do something about it. So, so Liz, you held up, uh, for the podcast listeners, you held up, I think it was my innermost thoughts? Yes, you our innermost thoughts. This is a have, cute little, this is what a zine looks like. It's, they're not that big. Have you had a chance to break it open yet? Yeah, I've reviewed this for Dicehour. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, uh, it's, uh, I really thought it was neat. I mean, it basically bends sort of the rules of what a game is, which is what I think RPGs are good for. Um, a lot of times you think about games, like how do I win? How do I min-max this game? That's not really what these are about. It's more experiential. And I mean, what better time to be a little more meditative than the present? So mm -hmm. yeah, I really, uh, I got a real kick out of them. 
So if I wasn't all connected up with my headphones, I'd be going into the other room to get my copy of Portal at Hill House. Well, good, you got it. <laughs> uh, now we've actually we've because we're 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 organised here. Uh, we've got a Google sheet which is a list of all of the things we want to do over the Christmas period. Right, it's about 150 things long, and on there is Portal at Hill House. So hopefully, <laughs> if we can In find 2025. Yes. <laughs> 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 it is on the is it, it is on the list of things that we would like to do. Uh, yeah, uh, over, over the Christmas break. So um, yeah, that's looking small. forward to that. And that's impressive. My to do lists are never good for more than like a day or two days, maybe a week if it's like for work. I mean, I also I love I, I'm like the let's make a list on a piece of scratch paper or like somewhere in my bullet journal sort of yep, person. Like that, that level yeah. of organization is beyond me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my uh, my list of games made by friends, and I I keep them independent of my to do list because my to do list I can get pretty savage with it. If it's like if anything is below like item four, I usually just kind of like, all right, you aren't going to get done anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So like, but so you know whatever the four is, and it's usually either like a list of dice tower reviews or list of games that you know have been recommended or whatever. But then games made by friends is going to be like, okay, we are going to get to this. Mm. It's going yeah. to happen. <laughs> it doesn't, the the to do list is where like a lot of things go to die for me because like it, it's almost like I've did the thing already. I did it. On, I put it on a list. <laughs> I've accomplished something. I put it on a list. Um, but you know, like um, uh, one of my friends, uh, Tim Hirama, made a game Archmage. It's like I got to play that. I got anytime. Yeah. You know, uh, he he was a, a loyal listener to the show. He made a game. Boom, done. Um, I don't know. Tristan Hall has become a friend at this point. Uh, I'm going to play his game. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, and same thing with Travis, you know, and uh, that will happen at, at one point. My issue is I don't have, like, I think everybody here has, has described playing games with their significant others or within their family unit. And my game, my family isn't there yet. My, my, my wife is <laughs> no go on games. My, kid, my, my oldest is five. I don't think I can take my yeah. five-year-old to Hill House. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, who knows what the results of that would be? <laughs> you could, I mean, no, no, with, with Hill House, right? I mean, every, um, it's just a deck of cards, right? That you sort out based off of suit and you flip over and that corresponds to a descriptor of the house. If you wanted to, you could, depending on, you know, however your five-year-old feels, you could go through, you could rewrite all of those descriptors <laughs> Just um, it. so that it's not stuff like, you know, putrid flesh or anything, but instead it's like, you know, it's like two-year-old unicorn with rainbows. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your five-year-old likes, but you know, I'm just saying. She does not like my first orchard. That we can verify. <laughs> I, uh, I did like a solo game compilation a couple of years back and Chase's had footage of, uh, it's her name's Simone, right? Trying to, uh, he was trying to get her to roll some dice and she's just crying and saying no. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal man i'm so jealous of the people who have like spouses and families that came yeah my <laughs> boyfriend will play with me all the time but he definitely supports and like will join me some and we do video game together and stuff too so mm-hmm. so uh travis mentioned being creative in the quarantine right uh, and and continue to generate content. So like, you know, we've all dealt with it in different ways. You know, Travis and you know, I completely like kind of blown the doors off. Uh, Liz, you went the book route and we could talk about that. Like you have your booktube uh, project, you know, just to kind of like a, do a different thing. Paul, I feel like I'm seeing so much content from you. <laughs> well, this is the, this <laughs> is like, the thing. I feel like you just, 
every time I see it, it's like, okay, new playthrough, live yeah. playthrough, because uh, you have the live capability now. So, like, you're doing a, a lot more with that. Uh, the, the more rule books, more stuff. It's like, oh, my God, how, what is this man doing? Yeah. I mean, creativity is, is one of those things. I personally don't think I'm a very creative person. I could not do what Travis has done. I could not say, I'm going to create a zine. I might have an idea, but then I'm not able to actually execute that. And similar to what Travis said about wanting to design the next, uh, you know, a medium weight Euro game. I've been wanting to do that for 25 years and I, and I haven't. And the reason I haven't is because I can't. And I don't think I'm particularly a creative person. Okay. Whenever I post any picture online of here's the figures that I'm painting at the moment and people go, Oh, they look really good. Yeah. I, it's kind of like paint by numbers. You know, I Googled, I Googled the pictures of other people's paintings and go, Oh yeah, I like that. And I copy it. So although I'm painting, I don't think I'm actually being creative in that. I'm just, I'm just painting something. And it's, it's a very similar thing when I'm doing my, you know, rule books or my tutorial videos. Personally, I don't think they're creative in, in, in an artistic sense, but in terms of creating content, yeah, right. you're absolutely right. Whereas Travis has I mean. got four published games, all I've done for the last six months is, is live streamed my entire life, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I, I, I decided at the start of um, lockdown. So this was, the, yeah, this was sort of March time. In, the, you know, the world was going to part. Everything, everything was going wrong. And, and back in March, we didn't know how this thing was going to affect us. We didn't know if it was going to be a big thing or if it was going to come and go. We, we didn't know. But what was happening didn't look good and the, and the prospects didn't look good. And I, I sat there and I thought, I can't, I can't fix this, right? I can donate money to charities. I can, I can do that and I can try and help people in that way. And I can make sure uh, the friends and the people I care about, I, I stay in contact with them and do what I can for them. But I'm not a doctor. I can't develop a cure, right? I don't work in a hospital. I can't look after people. I can't do any of that. What can I do? to try and like help the world at the moment. And all I could do was to produce more and more live board game content for those people who like the board game hobby and are stuck at home, right? Now, I've been quite mm. lucky in a way that uh, all of my mental health issues, none of them are getting lonely or getting affected by being stuck in the house, right? That, that has not affected me in a negative way at all. But I am, I have got loads of friends who have really, really struggled over the last six months with being stuck in and can't go out. Now, thankfully I've got Vicky, I've got Steve and I've got Colin to speak to. So they keep me company. <laughs> well, some uh, for people the podcast on... listeners, uh, Paul oh. just pointed to his stuffed animals. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yes. He called, he called you a stuffed animal. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm saying is there are some people who live alone who have really, really struggled with being stuck at home, not being able to go out, not being able to see people. For me, I do things like this and I play games with people online. And for me, that, that is it. That, that, that is absolutely fine with me. Sure, I miss going to the conventions. Sure, I miss having friends around to play games. But I'm not negatively affected by it in a way. But some people are. So I decided... All I can do is to try and help these people and I'll just do more and more live streaming. So what I've done is I've just done more. Um, 
and I've, I've been live streaming solo games. I've been live streaming multiplayer games. Going back to the creativity, I was one of the first people that was doing remote playthroughs using an overhead camera and Skype. Uh, so people were like, oh, we can't game anymore. I don't want to use Tabletop Simulator. And I'm like, you don't have to. Right. Look, I've just, we've just played right. whatever game it was we played. And I shared my screen with them and they told me what to do, move my piece over there and I moved the piece. And I was doing that, you know, six, six months ago. As, as an aside, I started to interrupt you, but like, yeah. how are people feeling about Tabletop Simulator? I love it. Mm. You? Oh. I absolutely love it. And I'm saying that <laughs> as somebody who hated it. Okay, so I have been on that journey. I used Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia about two or three years ago and I went, oh, this is painful. This is so painful. Moving things around, it's so slow. Right. And then because of lockdown, I started using them more. And suddenly tabletop simulator, I'm like, I now have regrets that I didn't look into it two or three years ago because one of Travis's cube rail games, I got to play that with him and Jordan Draper. And we played it using tabletop simulator. We, the thing is with, with lockdown, what it has done is it has, made people more aware that this is a thing. This was a thing before. Me, Travis, and Jordan could have played that game two years ago, three years ago, right? It well, we couldn't because Tra Travis hadn't designed it, but you get, you get what I mean. This was there the then. Roden boats on there. You we could have played, played Roden. We just didn't do no. it. Yes. <laughs> I have not played Roads and Boats on Tabletop Simulator. He, sa he says that. He says that. We'll get a game later on between the three of us. Yeah, um, but what yeah, it's done yeah. is because of lockdown, People like myself has looked at Tabletop Simulator, discovered it, and have now gone, oh, actually, this is really good. And if you find a good mod, mm -hmm. and once you know the basics, the problem is there's a bit of a learning curve. Once you get past that learning curve and you're like, oh, actually, this is really smart. So what I'm now doing is part of my work is doing game development, game testing, and everything else. Before a publisher would have to spend ages printing out a prototype, send it to me. By the time it arrived with me, it's out of date. Then they'd have to send me the fixed files, which I'd then have to print out myself. Then I'd have to sleeve all the cards and do it. Then I'd have to get friends round. Then we'd have to play it, right? Now, the publisher puts it on Tabletop Simulator, calls me up, we go on, we play it. He says, oh, okay, wait a minute, this card's a bit broken. Give me a minute, I'll just change it. Do, 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 right click, import image, done. Right, literally in the middle of a live game, the card is, oh, I, I, th I think we need some cubes to track this. Insert custom object, cube, copy, paste, done, done, done. Yeah. For playtesting purposes around the world with other people, games designers, friends, publishers, Tabletop Simulator is amazing. And it just took uh, me going back to it again after initially having a really bad impression of it to realize how uh, right now essential a tool it is. So, yeah. You're on the That's same awesome. page, Travis? Oh, 100%. I have, um, I have one Cube Rails game signed. I have another Cube Rails game that is going through the process of vetting that more than likely is going to be signed. Um, I would not be a published... I mean, I'm not published yet, I guess, but I would not be an almost a near published <laughs> tabletop game designer had Tabletop Simulator not exist, mm -hmm. quite literally, because... I, so I've played, I played three games, three games in person since March. That's it. Um, I, I think I played time stories twice. And I think at one point I played like Nemo's war 
and that that's that's a lie. It might it might have been six or seven games, but six or seven physical games since March. Whenever, like all of you, you know, we would. I I remember I looked through BG stats, and it's like, oh, cool. I remember back in 2017, whenever I played <laughs> uh, 600 games that year, that was super cool. So far, I've logged like uh, 35, right? Um, and it's December. However, I'm with a game group that I met on Twitter that I am in their discord channel that we play train games every pretty much every single Monday and we'll play mm. two or three games. And yeah. so, and it's all in tabletop simulator. Um, they helped me play test. I, I designed five different cube rails games over summer. Um, and I did that on purpose because I knew that I was going into grad school this semester and that I was going to be super busy. And so I designed a lot of stuff over summer with the idea of, you know what, I'm going to toss all this stuff on tabletop simulator and I'm going to vet them throughout the year. And if tabletop simulator wouldn't have existed, none of this would have been able to get played. Like, like I literally would not, I would have had a prototype, a physical prototype that last year I took of Westward Rails, that game that Paul and I, that Paul Jordan and I played. Um, I played that, um, I, I designed it before BGG Con, back the last time we had BGG Con. I took it there, I played it a bunch, and I played it a couple more times in March, and then everything shut down. And so, you know, development made it to like 50%. And then I had half of a developed game that needed more time and had Tabletop Simulator not exist, then I wouldn't have been able to play it. But here's the thing. So let, let's look ahead now to 2022, right? Mm -hmm. When hopefully the world is back to as it was. You've designed a new game. What do you do with that game to play test it? Do you? I, I put it on tabletop simulator exactly. and I find exactly. people. Yeah, exactly. this isn't going to change. This isn't going to revert back. No. Whenever, whenever this is over and I'm actually able to like walk out of my house, yeah. um, it's not going to change. No, it's going no. to be. Hey, that's cool, Paul. Do you want to hop on and play test this game? Yeah. The people, the the publisher that might want to publish it, or friends that play these types of games. You know, I want them to play this game. You know, my local friends. I only have two local buddies who play any of these train games that I play. Yeah. Um, only two, and we need more people to play this yeah. stuff, right? And and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no disrespect to my local friends that I have here, but if I designed a game, you know, a proper game that I was actually seriously considering getting published, it, it, you know, I'd get my local friends to play it, but it's actually people, you know, other games designers. I'd get people like Travis. I'd get people like Jordan Draper. I'd get Vital Lacerda. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd call these people and suddenly we, we can now do it. And as I say, we could have done this a few years ago. We just... I mean, Vittel's been using Tabletopia to do playtests now for about three years. So he, he was ahead of the game on all of this. He's been running playtests for his, his last few games over Tabletopia, and he's been doing that regularly. Um, and yeah, I think, it's, I think it's opened the doors to a better way of doing things. Agreed. I, like, I will say, David Thompson taught me how to play soldiers and postmen's uniforms on Tabletop Simulator, yeah. and I really did like the experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I find it clunky. I don't like rolling dice on it. It's, it's got yeah. things about it that will never really replace the real thing. But in terms of somebody teaching me a game and anybody being able to teach me from anywhere, if somebody will invite me to their server and walk me through the game, yeah. I'm, I'm in for that. Personally, yeah, David, David taught me how to play Europe Divided over Tabletop Simulator. I live, I live streamed it, and in that live stream, he taught me how to play the game. And, yeah. and that's the thing. I got to play Europe Divided with the designer 
even though he's halfway across the other side of the world. And yeah, this 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 should continue. Even Which when is the, the best way to play. Me. Honestly, yeah. I really feel like the, the best way to play a game is the designer who put their blood, sweat, tears, who put their creativity, who put their love into the game because they are going to, like they are so, like I find somebody who creates, right? We talk about creativity. Like they put so much of themselves into the product that like when they're sharing it, they that, that all they want to do is for you to have a good time. So yeah. that is the best. That is the best way to play a game. However, the, so when Liz and I kind of gave our little shake head shakes about Tabletop Simulator, I think it's more like game night. It's like, okay, all of our friends are getting together. Nobody's designed anything. We're just playing games. And yeah. It's like, okay, game night. Everybody log on table, Tabletop Simulator. And mm-hmm. then it's like... <laughs> I get a little bit of now, deflated sense. I mean, I, I, now, now don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, I haven't played any. I'm not I'm not kidding. Whatever I say, that I've probably only played about three non-trained games and actually <laughs> previously published games on Tabletop Simulator. So so for me, it's a very different experience. Like so, whatever Paul said. Oh yeah, we found this great Mage Knight mod, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> like it you know it, it gives me yeah it, whatever right and so but for me it's just like oh i'm i'm placing a cube here and i'm adding money to the counter <laughs> yeah. you know and the, maybe shift down a couple of cards and that's really it you know um i've played a few like euro games um we played like santiago and a couple of other stuff right there like oh yeah this is this is kind of a neat experience and like we played broom service the other day and i was just kind of like what am i doing like cards how do i manage a hand of cards it's in front of me on tabletop simulator so um yeah yeah so it so I was, uh, in my defense i haven't played mage night um, right <laughs> on tts oh my god okay I that's a corrective that mattered <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm using it for you know not i'm i'm using it for live streams of published games mainly um mm-hmm. you know this this coming wednesday i'm doing viscounts of the west kingdom uh it's a game in my collection it's a game that i want to learn how to play uh, I spoke to my patron supporters about it last week and they said, yeah, Paul, this is not a game you're going to be able to use your Skype share screen because there's like secret information and things like that. But um, Shem has got um, basically official tabletop simulator implementations for his games. Uh, and there's ones for Paladins of the West Kingdom. There's one for Viscounts of the West Kingdom. People have been on, they've played it, they've tested it. They said it's great. And because tabletop simulator people can create mods and upload them to the workshop and they're not all legal. These ones are. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's the thing. There are some mods out there which somebody has created themselves scanning in all of the cards, right? That is, a, that is against the publisher's, well, not against the publisher's wishes, but not with the publisher's permission. Uh, sometimes the publishers turn a blind eye. Sometimes they don't. Um, but it is nice when there's an official mod that you're like, yeah, you can use this with our blessing. And in fact, we've, we've done some scripting. So you just need to press that button and it does all of the refreshes for you. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of automation uh, in, in some of the scripting that makes it really nice. I mean, another, uh, another game from David Thompson, Undaunted. So Undaunted Normandy, uh, great game. There's a tabletop simulator mod that is available, which is completely unofficial, but the level of scripting in it is... Oh, which scenario do you want to play? Scenario one, click the button. And it basically saves you 10 minutes or 15 minutes of setup time because it puts all of the tiles in exactly the right position. It sorts all of the cards out. It's literally great. And that is a game which I really like. 
I'm not able to play it because of lockdown. So I've played it with a few friends on t- Tabletop Simulator. You know, it's, yeah. as, I, as I said earlier on, that is giving me the fix. That night when I played Undaunted Normandy on Tabletop Simulator, I felt that I'd played a board game with a friend. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was sat here, you know, in front of the computer, not wearing any pants, didn't matter. It, it was still, <laughs> I was still playing a game with a friend. So yeah, it was, it was, it was good. You know what's interesting is that my my creative arc during quarantine has been a little bit different. Like I think that some people have done more or they've just pushed more online. And I was already introverted and I think I've just gotten more introverted. So two two big projects for me came from quarantine. One was my podcast, which I really love to do. So um, I started the Beyond Solitaire podcast. And, you know, a lot of people assume that it'd be about solo gaming. But actually, I pretty much just interview people with interesting things to say. So, like, later today, I'm going to interview um, a professional war gamer who does, like, government contracts. And then tomorrow, I'm going to interview some Canadian, you know, academians who have written an article about gendered language in rule books. And... So I'm, I'm finding ways to connect too, but it's actually, it's different. It's like, I'm looking for people to have the kind of, I guess, deeper conversations about board gaming that I wasn't always able to find anywhere. And I've had time to find and connect with people who normally I would never have talked to, but because we've all been home with nothing else to do, it's made it a lot easier to make connections with people that I might not have connected with before. And then, yeah, Jason, as you talked about, my other big project that's about a month old now, I took all of October just off of YouTube. I needed a break. The school year started and I was just, mm. um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the one thing I like more than I like playing board games is actually reading. I've always been a reader. Um, I read a lot. I probably read. So last year was exceptional and then I read less than 100 books in the year. I read a lot. And um, so no kids, no, ki- no kids, <laughs> only other people's kids. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, I wanted to have a place to talk about that and to, you know, sort of express my interest in in books as well. I didn't want to torture, you know, my game followers with that. Mm -hmm. So I just made a sub channel called Beyond Solitaire Books. I had somebody swap my logo die out for a book. Actually, it was um, (laughs) Mike Kelly's wife. And she she did that for me. And, um, you know, I uh, I've just been doing it. And it's like a whole. That's fun. Yeah, I think one of the reasons is that I like to make videos and I like to do YouTube and I like to talk to people and create media, but I've been really wanting to slow it down on my channel. I am very much, it's, it's hard, right? Because you feel so much pressure to create all the time. You know, I think maybe even most for you, Paul, because you're full-time, this is your job. Yeah. You know, for me, this is, it's, you know, it's something that I, I can quit whenever I want to, <laughs> but um. You know, I feel a lot of pressure to produce more and more and more to grow and grow and grow. You know, my channel is not huge, but I'm approaching 7,000 followers right now. And the temptation to just make more, push more is strong, but I've been trying really hard to pull back and not just make videos. I've been trying to focus on, you know, okay, what tutorials can I make for people that are underdone or where I think I can be particularly useful? Can I take my time with that instead of feeling like I have to do it on a certain schedule? Because it messes me up to feel like I have to keep making more and more and it makes me enjoy games less. And so I think the reason I've got these other projects going is it helps me get my creative instincts out and it helps me find people to connect with and things to talk about without me feeling like I'm learning games too fast and trying to push them out too fast for my own satisfaction because I'm 
you know, for me, it's, it's about trying to find the right balance about trying to, you know, it's so interesting, Paul, because I, 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 what Liz just said is exactly the, the thing, I, the question I want to ask you in terms of mm-hmm. like being creative and not like creative artistically, I guess that maybe the clarified terms, pe- putting yourself out there, generating content, yeah. Yeah. right? And anything to me, anything that is made that resonates with somebody is creation. Right. You know, that's yeah. anything that resonates. To me, it's, it's not necessarily about the, any kind of uniqueness or difference. It's more mm-hmm. about like somebody connected with something that's like a third thing. There's me, there's you, and then there's the thing I created that's remediated. That's kind yeah. of me by creation. And yeah. your creativity, and I think in that way, you're as creative as anybody. Um, it takes creativity I mean, to teach people things. Yeah. Well, I've, d- I've done a few things which I kind of creative. So one of the things that I did, and this, this was done as a joke, and this was about 18 months ago. I had a game. I didn't know how to play it. So I thought, I'll do a live stream of me learning how to play the game from the rulebook, right? It was a crazy idea. I did it as a joke. And the amount of people who went, that was really good. We, we actually really enjoyed that. Because I'm known for my you know, rulebook skills and being very critical of rulebooks and things like this, people were watching it not just to see me learning the game but to see the insights that i had about why i was struggling over a particular part with the game so i've actually done a few of those now i I don't know anybody else who does them but you could say in a way that that was that was a creative idea but it wasn't me sitting down and thinking oh i tell you what might be a good idea i literally thought oh i want to do this game i don't know how to play it i should be doing a live stream this wednesday i'll tell you what i'll do this for a laugh and it basically came a bit of an accident. And one of the other things that I did recently, and I did this once in the summer, uh, and then I did it again last month, is I got one of my old fighting fantasy books from, you know, 37, 36, 37 years ago, one of the original ones, and I decided to do a live stream of me playing it. Mm-hmm. But rather that I thought it would be quite boring if I was just reading it and then I was making a choice and then I was just playing through it. So I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be a good idea to have the audience actually vote on what I do? And suddenly I'm actually doing an interactive game book series and I did the whole of Freeway Fighter. I just finished it a couple of weeks ago, but I think I did five live streams over a period of about a week and it was the same people who came on each day and they were making the choices. So basically... I played along with about 15, 20 people uh, and we played an interactive game book together. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And I'm doing another one between Christmas and New Year. Uh, I'm doing City of Thieves starting probably on Boxing Day. Same time every day. I'm going to be doing a live stream of, of, of that. So um, yeah, it, it, was, it was really fun. Well, I sort of think That's that fun. creativity, I mean, creativity isn't necessarily a personal quality, right? It's like an action because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what kind of thoughts you have if you're not doing anything. I feel like the, the creative people are people who make stuff. Do you make stuff? Guess what? You create. You are creative. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, I don't think that there's any one kind of creation that's better or worse than another. I think it's just a matter of, are you doing something? Are you making yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it for you? Doesn't matter. Is it for everyone? Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But if you're, if you're doing, then it's, it's good, I think. And also, how do you nurture it? Because mm-hmm. creativity can kind of go, as Travis was saying, with low player count, reaching a point of like, we, I can't nurture this anymore. Yeah, right. I need to kind of change yeah. this and go, and go into something else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny that you were saying that <clears throat> um, because 
because about about just kind of if you, if you don't do anything with it, right? Um, I in the middle of this about five minutes ago, I just got a <laughs> I just got a DM from another uh, from another content creator, right? Who does a lot of content creation stuff? Who said, "Hey, do you have an email address that I could send you a PDF?" I got inspired. I'd never played anything like Portal at Hill House before, and I got inspired and wrote something for it. And wow. I'm like, that's incredible because it's yeah, a, wow. it's a, it's a, this is a content creator who, who does kind of like the standard review, playthrough, write some articles, shoot some videos, stuff like that. And the fact that this is like something totally out of that person's wheelhouse um, is great. And that's the beauty for me. That's the beauty of creativity is that is that your creativity is ultimately a lot of times we do it for ourselves, right? We, we do creative it's in us. And it has to come out. Yeah. Or, or we do creative efforts because, because like you, you either see a need for it, but if you see a need for it, you, it's kind of that whole, well, I guess I'm going to do it. And, and ultimately we do these things for ourselves, but if they can ping other people to engage and dive into their own creative efforts, I mean, that's, that's where this stuff gets, gets beautiful, right? That's mm. where the, that's where those creative aspects, like, like Liz talking about books and I'm just like, Oh yes. Let's talk about books. You know, um, you should come on. Let's, let's, I, let's buddy read well, something. Well, I like to give you an idea. <laughs> I started a book. I started a book in, on, on August the 8th and I finally finished it last week because grad school ended. Um, right. But it's just kind of one of those of like, Oh, books. I remember those things. Paul, you were joking about paint by number um, mm-hmm. with those miniatures that you paint um, at some one day I'll show you the one time that I painted some mice and mystics miniatures and why the rest of them have not been painted. Right. <laughs> right. Send me a fire <laughs> right. I actually have but, the same experience, by the way, I did a couple of the roaches and they look like little poops. In this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, but that's part, and, but that's the beauty of creativity, right? Is that every, is that through, if you don't see it in other people, then it's going to that it's not going to ping off of you, and it might not even be from where you expect it, you know. Um, and that's that's the joy that's that's the joy of it, you know. But yeah. mm-hmm. it is also like <laughs> you need to be able to to tame, to you know to to balance it out. So like I shoot a lot of videos for work. Um, I do I'm an advanced academics advisor, but half of my job is college advising, right? And so I talk to ninth through twelfth graders about any and everything that is college related. And since I can't reach every single person on campus and I can't see everybody on campus, I shoot one to three videos a week that are just wholly unscripted that's me setting up in a classroom with a light and a microphone and a camera and go hey everybody let's talk about what's going on this week and something that you need to be focusing on and I just have to do it you know and there's that moment of had I not done low player count as long as I had I wouldn't have the tools and the mindset of well I guess I can just do this now you know and it's funny because other people on campus they look at that and go oh my gosh Travis how do you do that and I'm like well I mean you, you just do it. I mean, mm. it's information that has to be out there and you just make it happen. But what I've seen is other people, other teachers, other counselors have done the whole, how do you do that? I want to learn how to do that because I want that to look good for whatever I do as yeah. well. And it's been cool being able to see how one bit of creativity of, ju- of moving out, and this is obviously part of COVID education anyways, but mm-hmm. part of being able to jump out of, of your safety net, you know, has inspired and encourages other people to take those leaps as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, it's also happening in my Latin classroom. Like the skills that I've learned as somebody who does YouTube and recording. And, you know, I've made so many just stupid Latin videos this year, but that works. And, and then other people yeah. want them too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one, the other thing is that being creative in one part of your life will bleed into all the other parts. So like everything that you do, anything that you do, right, is potentially, you know, the seed of something that will happen in another part of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, what's with the seed crystal or something like that, or like you break a, you break a glass and it kind of spider webs out. <laughs> yeah. Slowly. That's how, kind of how it works. <laughs> like, I love what you were describing Paul about like, um, you know, you, you have your thing that you do, like you have your tutorials, you have things you're paid for, but then it's like, wait a minute. Uh, here's one thing that I'm never going to be paid for ever. No one's going to pay me for a final fantasy, yeah. a final fighting fantasy thing. Um, and it's just like, you know what? There's resonance. Yeah community resonance and i think like creativity and like community resonance have to go together you know and it's it's weird like you know it's kind of sad when you create something and no one resonates with it's like uh, yeah i don't know how you (laughs) yeah i mean you know i i'm 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 one of those people that you know does videos and then reflects on ah well there wasn't that many people watching that live maybe that's not the kind of thing they wanted and to be honest those live streams that i did of me playing through an old fighting fantasy book, I thought that would have resonated with a wider community mm. more than it did. Um, but those 15, 20 people that are primarily my patron supporters that were there for every stream, they're the ones that I ended up doing it for. And they're because, you know, it, and it was brilliant. And they're the ones that are going to be there between, you know, Christmas and New Year for it. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why I did those is. And I don't know if this is all tied in with, uh, you know, I turned 50 this year and that's made me think about life a little bit more and think about things a little bit differently. But these fighting fantasy books, they are the reason why I'm doing what I do now. You know, when, sure. when I bought Warlock of Firetop Mountain in 1982 or 1983, that was the start. It was that that led me onto D&D. D&D then led me on to board games that led me on to this that they led me that all of that that the whole thing is all traced back to you know when i bought our first book and i've got all of these books and i haven't touched them for over 30 years you know i i had them and i played them as a kid and then went right okay that that's it i you know i'm done with them now i've, I've moved on and it was only earlier on this year that i thought ah yeah I, i've got fond memories of these maybe i'll go back and i'll and i'll try it again and I was expecting, I was fully expecting to, to go into it thinking, okay, these were aimed at kids. These were aimed at, you know, I was, I was the right age for these at the time they came out. We're going to do this. It's going to be a bit of fun, but it's actually not going to be very good. The writing is going to be a bit simple and the game is going to be a bit, eh, it's going to be a bit, you know, derivative and standard stuff and everything else. And, and I, whilst it was that a little bit, I basically, I enjoyed it a lot more. Right. And if I could give up all of my work for the next 12 months and just sit here live streaming me playing through the entire fighting fantasy, I'd do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. I, Let's I, create I, an account. Go fund me account yeah, for off, Paul. Off, off we go. <laughs> Kickstarter. 12, 12 months yeah, sabbatical. 12 months of, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing this other one between Christmas and New Year. My patron supporters want to see more of them. I enjoyed doing them and the, and the way we did it interactive with people choosing whether mm. we go west or east and then we go east and we die, right? So we reset. Mm. And thankfully, because my memory is terrible, 
the people in the chat were like, Paul, don't go east. You know what happened last time we went east? We, we died. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So the chat was playing it more than me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, was, it, it, it was really good fun. And yeah, def- definitely going to be doing more of them. Right. Yeah, to me, creativity. Yeah, good. I was going to say, I think it leads to another good point, though, which is that sometimes the most creative, or at least the things that are the most pleasurable to you, aren't necessarily the most saleable things or the things mm-hmm. that do the best. Yeah. But you also have to make room for the things that just make you happy. Yeah. I'm also just super, like, I'm a selfish person. It's, like, clearly my defining trait. Like, I had to go to, like, a thing. Um, <laughs> I, had, I, had to go, <laughs> I had to I had to go to this, like, teaching thing one time. It was, like, values-based leadership. And everybody had to pick values. And I was, like, personal growth pleasure like things that matter for the classroom to me and everyone's like (laughs) you know rigor justice and like those are all great things but i was like no this should be like a personal journey of intellect and like i'm the only person who felt that way but you know i I think that being selfish and doing things that really bring you that keenest enjoyment it matters it matters even if it's the least popular thing you do even Mm -hmm. if nobody ever watches it you can't feel fulfilled unless you fill your own cup so Play all the Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Play all the Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> do more. <laughs> yeah. So um, as Travis was getting a DM from a content creator, I was getting a DM from my wife who was saying, how long are you going to be down there? <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> I could feel her tapping her feet as she texted me. So, I mean, I really feel like we could go on a long – this just feels like a natural, warm hangout, yeah. which is exactly – what I wanted. Uh, uh, we've taken Paul away from his content uh, <laughs> a yep. while. I'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be there. Um, so unfortunately, we're going to wrap this up. But uh, you know, it's towards uh, you know maybe summertime or sometime else in 2021, we'll gather the gang back together and continue to have like just a really warm, awesome hangout. Uh, this was really fun. Uh, so we're going to close with some promo. We're going to close with pe- how people can find us, what we're doing, um, and all that good stuff. So uh, I will begin with Travis. Uh, you are, you've produced the zines. You are continuing to design and develop games. You're getting a couple of them signed. So uh, what can we look for from you and how can we contact you to keep in touch with everything you're doing? Um, contact is at Travis D. Hill on everywhere it's probably it's the easiest way to get in touch with me um i i mean i do 98 percent of everything through twitter and <laughs> that's whether it's rule book editing or um, this happened. <laughs> or game design or this right you know everything i do is just through twitter it just makes it easier um coming up for me um i should have should have announcement about westward rails which is my first signed cube rails game um Hopefully in the next month, um, that should be coming out uh, third quarter, I think October, third, fourth quarter, October 2021. Um, If I have another one that gets signed, um, that will be coming out in 2022. Um, Kickstarter is running a Make 100 campaign where they uh, want indie game designers to create um, to create 100 copies of something kind of like as a low entry point to something. So I've designed a cube rails game on cards, um, which is not where most cube rails games are. Mm-hmm. So you actually build the hex map out, uh, by playing cards. You have a hand of cards that you're playing in front of you. Um, and it's a 54 cards and 60 wooden cubes. It's called card rails. I'm going to, nice. uh, 
I'm going to launch that out in January. Um, I'm only making a hundred copies of it quite literally. Um, and I'm going to have PNP options and I'm going to be super selfish speaking of selfish. Cause I have to take care of my own mental health. It's only shipping to the United States. Mm-hmm. Paul, you can get a PNP or I'll just send you one anyways. Cause I yeah. love you. Um, <laughs> and so, but I mean, you know, it's just like that. That's just stuff that I'm doing. Um, I'm going to continue to do um, I've kind of slowed down on rule book editing mostly because of grad school and, mm-hmm. I don't have as much time to spend uh, reading and creatively try to reorganize rule books so that they actually make sense, you know? Um, so, but yeah, Travis D. Hill, you where you can find me pretty much anywhere. Paul is from the Gaming Rules YouTube channel, the OG of <laughs> content creation. Now uh, we taught Paul something new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and he described a lot of what's going on in terms of the playthroughs and the Finding Fantasy, um, the interactive stuff. But, you know, what, um, be a, you can be a little bit more specific about like what's you know immediately next. This, this podcast will be coming out in January. So what could we look forward to uh, in January moving forward from Gaming Rules? Well, before we do, I'd just like to ask Travis a quick question about Western Rails. Have you fixed the wonky maths? <laughs> no, sir. Oh. Wonky math. All right. All right. Wonky so we have, to ex- we, we, have, we have to explain this. There is a, there is a tradition. It's a tradition in QBRELS <laughs> games that, that, that whenever you have multiple shares of, of companies, right? So if I have two shares of a company and Paul has the third share of a company, and let's say it pays out mm, $24, right? You divide that between eight, uh, you divide that the three between 24, you get eight bucks. I take 16, Paul gets eight. Well, if it's $25, not 24, then you still divide it by three, but you round up, right? That's just what you, that's, that's what you do. You round up. So, so instead of me getting eight or me getting 16 and Paul getting eight, I would get nine bucks a share paul would get nine dollars a share so i'd get 18 and paul would get nine however however if i had full ownership of the company and i had two shares of it and it was paying out 25 dollars, well you take the 25 you divide it by two and you round up and so i would actually get 26 dollars a share uh or 26 dollars in total 13 dollars a share because that's that's the wonky math which just yeah. it i take for granted because <laughs> just in like like just all of these train games right here that's just kind of what you do you just divide it up and round you just divide it by shares rounding up and whenever i played westward rails with paul and, and jordan they're both like this makes no sense <laughs> 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 which, I, which I can see. I can wonder yeah. what it will continue but, to make no yeah. sense, sir. There you go. <laughs> Correct. So, so, yeah, so what have I got coming up in the immediate future? So the immediate future is actually looking quite... The, the very immediate future is I've got a, a tutorial how-to-play video for import-export that I'm hoping to get finished this weekend. Uh, I have a My Top 5 Games of 2019. You heard that right. Unlike every other content creator that makes a top 10 games of the year, I do mine 12 months afterwards. Mm. So at some point, hopefully this month, I will be producing a video on my top five or top 10 games of 2019. Um, Because personally, I think doing it this December for what were my top 10 games of this year is too soon. There are some games that have come out this year that I haven't played. Well, I haven't played. And there are some games that came out this year that I haven't played enough. So for me, doing it a year later allows me to look back at 2019 and go, right, on reflection, what were my favorite games that came out in 2019? So that's happening as well. Uh, I've also got 
my plans for January are a bit weird. So without going into too much details, I've been doing gaming rules now as a full-time job for six years. I've not had a holiday. I've not had any holiday. I've not had any break for six years. Earlier this year, again, all tied in with when I sort of turned 50, um, I looked at some of the games in my collection and went, too many bones. I really need to play that more. Maracaibo, I've only played chapter one of the campaign. I really need to play that more. Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. I didn't get very far with the campaign of that. I tell you what, I've got all of these games. These are great games. They deserve my time and I don't have... I don't have, I'm not giving them the time they deserve because new games are arriving all the time. And I said, I'm fed up with this. I, I am fed up with my life. I mean, you know, I work in the board games hobby. My, <laughs> I should be playing the games that I want to play. And yet I don't have the time to do it. So I have made a decision and that is happening. January, 2021, I've taken the month off. I've taken the whole month off work mm. uh, and I'm not doing any paid Yay. content for the whole of January. Yeah. However, I will be live streaming approximately seven to eight times a week, right? I, I'm, not take, I'm not taking a holiday, right? No. No, no, no. no, no. This, is, this is how it works. I'm not taking a holiday. I'm taking a break from the paid work. And what I am doing is I'm still going to be doing lots of live streams of games. I've got a whole diary all planned, but it's the games that either I want to play or my patron supporters have voted on. And I'm going to play. Too Many Bones, probably twice a week, every week for January. I'm going to play the entire Maracaibo campaign. I'm going to play the whole Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth campaign. And there's about five or six other games that I really want to play. So January is going to be brilliant. It's going to feel like a holiday because I'm going to wake up without the pressure of, oh, I've got five rule books to get finished. I've got this, I've got that. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be producing a lot of content in January, nice. but it's going to be, it's going to be basically yeah, just, just me playing games. We did have plans. I have four friends that over the month of January were going to come around and join me for some of those games. That might not happen now. Uh, we, we will see. We will see. What, what the UK rules are, they're changing every couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, a friend of mine has just finished painting all of the miniatures for War of the Rings 2nd Edition. So I went, great. Come around in January. We've got a date in the diary. He's coming around. We're going to play War of the Rings Second Edition with all of his painted miniatures. Yeah, we might not be doing that now. We'll, <laughs> we will see. We will see. But yeah, so I'm really excited about January. It's been it's been a long time coming, and even though people have looked at my diary and have gone, Paul, you need to be taking a break. You need to be taking a holiday, right? Like an and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. This is going to be brilliant. I'm 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 yeah. gonna I'm gonna love this. This is going to be fantastic because you know. I'm a gamer. I like playing games. I enjoy doing live streams. So this for me is going to be, uh, yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to Excellent. it. And Beyond Solitaire chugs along. Dice Tower Reviews continue to chug along. And Liz and I are working together on a couple of projects. So you maybe talk, talk a little about that. Yeah. So you can find me anywhere as Beyond Solitaire. I just have brand consistency across all platforms. Oh, uh, no. Um, you can feel free to tweet me. I probably answer tweets best. Um, uh i'm on board game geek but i never actually check those messages so just so you know um so my board game channel is beyond solitaire my book channel is beyond solitaire books so you just add an extra you'll know it's me because it's the same red panda as always uh i do do game reviews for dice tower and jason and i co-review sometimes we have a series called simper ludimus which latin is latin for we always play which we do like we probably can't get through anything without cracking up a couple times yeah right <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, uh, that's me. Check out my podcast as well, Beyond Solitaire. I would say that's my favorite thing I do. It's my, it's my most quiet project, but it's the thing that I like the best. Nice. Uh, so I, this is Shelf Stories. Uh, go ahead. If you listen to the podcast version, which a lot of more people listen to the podcast at this point, uh, video on YouTube is a little bit difficult because you can't just like walk your dog with, during the videos. But you know, if, you're, if you want to watch the video, you want to watch uh, uh, Paul's live animals that are sitting next to his right arm over there. They're not stuffies. I trust me. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see uh, uh, Travis's giant game that is sitting on top of his bookshelf <laughs> and all those things, please go ahead and uh, check out, like the video, subscribe to the channel Shelf Stories. And in terms of my creativity, my creativity nowadays is mostly in the mental health realm. I'm a mental health therapist and it is not just a job. It's my life. It, it, my, I, my, I really have that kind of like speaking of having something in you that has to come out. Uh, I really want to share uh, what I have, my perspectives, my experiences. And so I've done uh, mental health driven reviews in a dice tower called Games for a Healthy Mind. And I also have my shelf help series where, you know, I have tips and tricks on how to be a happier gamer and happier person. That's my tagline, but I really mean it. Um, so between us four, you have content for days. <laughs> Different kinds of content. Uh, between shit. Paul alone, you yeah. have content for the next five years. <laughs> Yeah. Liz and I will just fill in the gaps whenever you're sleeping. <laughs> so uh, this is Jason reminding you, if you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop, or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. <laughs>